Hi, I'm Splash, and you're listening to Channel Zero. They call me the Wanderer. Yeah, the Wanderer. I roam around, 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 around. So today we are joined by two of our regulars and one guest. We've got Wool, we've got Kai, and our special guest for today is Blue Cinder. So, Blue, just before we get started, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Uh, what, what faction do you represent? Uh, I'm here today representing Penumbra Corporation, or just Penumbra, depending on whether you want to put co at the end of it or not. So, kind of like, what are your kind of faction goals for Penumbra? Uh, we're just, you know, we're here to uh, assist others, other peoples, whether they be members of factions of their own or just independent players. Um, we are multi-purpose, so we have, you know, different facilities for everything, manufacturing, research, um, mining. We do, we do offer that as well, and military. Now, what would you say your primary is? My primary? Uh, we have four, four directors leading the entire faction, and they all kind of focus on their own little thing. Uh, my primary function in Penumbra is as military leader, so I focus on all the combat and the uh, logistics of our soldiers and whatnot. Gotcha. So it's kind of like a just a very well balanced. It's not necessarily a mercenary group that dabbles in other things. It's very uh, complete. Absolutely. In what it offers. Absolutely. There's a there's a whole group of us, and we all kind of just coexist, working together. But we're not we're not mercenaries. We're not pirates. We're not cultists. We're organized. We're trained, and we're ready to do what we need to do to get the job so done. So do you aim to stay like fully neutral? Um, yes, that is our hope. We don't want to lean towards one side or the other. We'll assist anybody who asks and is willing to pay for it. That being said, if certain decisions need to be made, I would like to believe we're ready to make those kinds of decisions. So where do you see the majority of the money coming from for your company? The majority of it will be coming from the manufacturing facilities and the military facilities as we take on contracts for escorting and defending uh, other small companies' cargo and ships as they fly through probably unsafe space and manufacturing as we produce ships for uh, ourselves and other companies. And so, very interesting faction there, and as we said last week, moving on to today's main topic, we're going to be talking about combat. So I, for one, am very interested in kind of the whole 3D space combat aspect, as many ground formations that most people think of when it comes to combat won't be nearly as effective as they are, obviously, in other games, due to the fact that we have a full 3D space and we're not on a 2D plane. What's, uh, what's other people's thoughts on this? So, like, the difference between other games is you can stand here on the ceiling you, and there's no gravity. So you can stand at any angle, anywhere. Freely pivot, fly around with a jetpack. Um, even beyond that, just with the ships, though, a lot of people think in, like, a 2D plane, they think, like, uh, naval warfare, but honestly, though, a lot of it's going to be the ability to utilize every single angle that you have against your opponent. Um, and I think that's what's really going to differentiate different uh, factions and companies in combat. I think kind of boarding and kind of like ground combat once we get planets or when you invade a station will be interesting. Because, yeah, like as you said, you can stand on roofs. Unlike some things like, say, for example, Rainbow Six Siege, where you know at least they're going to be at a certain level. You could breach a door and the guy's directly above you and just shoots you immediately in the head, which obviously doesn't kill you because you're a robot, but, you know, you, you get my point. 
And so I think that would be quite interesting. But yeah, I think a lot of people do think of it as naval ships. And that is a big barrier they'll have to get past if they want to do effective combat. Well, I think a, a big reason they think of it as a 2D style combat is because when they think of like large scale ships, they think like broadside cannons, they think lining up that shot and just laying into the other ship that's across the way. But no one ever thinks about the fighters that you launch from that capital class ship that uh, sort of flank the other capital ship. And then they don't really uh, they don't really think about the direction that they're coming from as well, because, I mean, like you said, this is 3D space. You're not just going to be coming in from the front, back or from the sides. You've got to worry about your top and bottoms as well. So, I mean. Not only your top and bottoms, but um, also where your engines. So from the back, right? Yeah, from the back. And I think that goes even all the way back to the designing process of the ships is like knowing where to put your weapon placements is critical. So, uh, yes, you want them to be protected, but you need to give them the highest field of view in every axis. So you kind of have to account for that and find ways to to armor your turrets without obscuring. And them. especially on these much larger ships, you're going to have to have an immense crew size. Because if you think about, because I think, Obviously, at the moment, there's probably going to be a ship. I think they have said there's going to be a ship, you know, size limit. They say structurally, you could probably get up to a ship of five kilometers. So say, for example, you've got a one kilometer ship. Imagine the amount of turrets you're going to have to have along every single side just to defend it from, you know, fighter attacks from every single angle. Not only that, you also need a lot of personnel to man the ship. Or a lot of code to at least have a few man turrets and the rest will just follow follow the uh, leader precisely yeah but still you need to repair men so you you will always need a large amount of crew for these ships and this is where i start getting into the whole um discussion of how likely is this large scale warfare that we're thinking of because when you look at all the companies yeah there are a couple factions that are several thousand members from other games but how likely is it they're, they're going to be able to assemble that many people to have fully staffed ships, right, of that size. My personal opinion on this is that once you get to a certain size of ship, that's it. You're not going to be able to go any larger than that because otherwise it just starts costing too much materials in order to keep the ship running at full force. So uh, at best, you'd probably be able to get like, you know, a... 500 meter ship running and then that's that's about it because then after that you need much more en many more engines to push that forward that costs more fuel uh refining that fuel costs other materials you gotta have a whole bunch of facilities in it that just end up running way too high well i don't know about that because the thing about okay so the thing about thrusters is their thrust is it's a one-to-one -to, -one to the mass of the ship and this is excluding drag obviously um the i think drag force on larger objects um they, they carry more momentum so drag isn't as strong against them uh as smaller objects so um when you account for the fact that it's a a linear relationship you can technically say, okay, as we scale it up, we just allot a certain percentage of the space inside the ship whenever we scale it up, and that will determine how much space you have for those resources to, say, get an hour of flight time out of it or two hours of flight time out of it. Um, and you can sort of like line up an equation, not really an equation, but you can find that relationship. 
it'll just take some testing to do, I think. Right, right. The ships I see that will become bigger than fighters are big cargo ships and maybe exploration vessels. What are your thoughts on that, Val? Um, I don't really see exploration vessels being that big, though, unless they're like groundbreaking uh, exploration vessels that are meant to uh, take resources out and set up an outpost or something, not well, just like flying around. Okay, I see. So in that case, then, yeah, it would need to be larger, more resources, more supplies. You're going to have the cargo space. You're going to have to have the fuel, and you're going to have to be able to defend it, which means you're going to have to have a fleet backing it up that's military capable and has long-range capabilities. Well, the thing is, if you built a large ship, that it would probably only need support at the start, because if you, let's say, starting heading out to the moon where no one is, there's no one to attack you. I think as far as those kind of ships where they kind of like uh, lead out and in, in set up these outposts, it's going to come down to what is your deploy range of your military? If you're taking the ship that can fly for four hours uh, by itself, your military might not be able to fly out that far by itself. You might need to have a carrier take your military vessels to that station. Um, so if you don't have a military fleet that can keep up with that range, there's no real point to expand to there unless you've manufactured the ships at that outpost. Right, or maybe you just don't have the manpower to be able to invest in something of that size. So, you know, it'd probably be better just to just to increase the size of your home base. Uh, I, I will say that, you know, on top of, on top of that, you also need to account for how many how many people you have available for your entire uh entire faction so maybe you don't have the manpower to stretch out that far so it'd probably just be easier to expand on your stations and ships uh right where you already are where you're available right and i think even on top of that people seem to think that like when you're in game we have oh we have 250 people we have a thousand people well do you have 250 to a thousand people at this one station that has the ships that you need to man and are they all going to be on at the same time? Probably not. Chances are they're going to be spread out a bit, doing their own thing sometimes. And then also on top of that, there's different time zones. People have different times that they play, and not all of them play at the same time. So accounting for that, it's going to be really difficult to man these large-scale battles um, unless you, it's a planned event, essentially. Absolutely. Uh, and then you also have to account for visibility, visibility, like uh, how easy are you to spot? How likely are you to get, you know, to get get someone against you because of your your size and your manpower? Because, I mean, like you see these large constructions in 3D models and you think, oh, those look cool. But at the same time, it's like that looks like an easy target because there's probably a lot of blind spots on it. See, this is where I'm hoping they add cameras to the game, like um, sort of like Space Engineers has their cameras. If they add something like that, uh, I would hope they would do it a little bit more nicely, uh, I think is the best way to put that, because it's in Space Engineer, it acts as a block. But if we could have like um, traditional like security camera style cameras, I think that'd be really cool that, you know, ones that can like pivot and have like a limited field of view. So you can have to like kind of plan where you put them, where you turn them to look down hallways and so on. Um, I think that could really add to the large ship combat and, and even like security on ships like uh, to prevent boarding. Oh, no, for real. Yeah, that would uh, help help a ton because then you could have uh, cargo ships without any 
uh, security crew on them per se, maybe like a small fighter escort still, but uh, you could have cargo ships that are able to just, you know, defend itself or at least watch watch its rear. So it's like, hey, there's someone behind us. Can you guys go take care of it? Now, Kai, um, you're head of logistics. So what I want to know is how do you plan to counter um, piracy? How do you plan to work around conflict in in line of where you need to go? Well, depending on the value of the the cargo, uh, if it's a small cargo ship, we can probably escort it with two fighters and maybe some extra one extra personnel on the cargo ship. But if you're talking like the capital class uh, transport ships, um, that's going to be a problem. And I got no definite answer for that yet because we just don't know. Do you think it'll be worth circumventing combat? Like, uh, say, you know that in certain areas of Warzone, do you think it'll be uh, worth oh, yeah. it to make like two or three extra, uh, uh, like uh, station to station trips, just to yes. avoid a certain region of space? Of course. Uh, if we can prevent the stuff from being stolen by going other route that takes longer we'll take the longer route that's safer but not everything is known in the unknown uh, reaches of space Slash what are your thoughts on that? I think while that could be a method for you know avoiding pirates I personally believe that really taking the most direct route would still be the most effective way at least in my opinion because even if you take a longer route if the pirates really want to get you they're probably going to find you as cargo ships probably will be a very likely target. And, you know, especially if you're being targeted by a certain pirate group, they're going to, you know, probably be able to track you down. So I think just kind of going the most direct route, and just as long as you have solid defense or like a decent speed, you should be able to avoid most pirate threats or at least, you know, incapacitate them or destroy them before they can cause any real serious harm. I think on top of that, what you really got to consider is your the technology that you're employing to get away from conflict. Um, if a pirate group jumps on you, you need something that is going to deter them from following you, whether it be rear-facing, uh, linear-firing turrets, right? Um, anywhere from that to, like, rail guns or um, maybe, like, a cloud of shrapnel that you release from your engine area. You throw it out there. If they're flying behind you, they're going to take a bunch of impact damage. That could potentially disable the vehicle or at least slow them down enough for you to get away. Um, and I think those kinds of ideas and being really um, spontaneous with what how you respond to a threat, instead of doing the same thing every time, be like, okay, we have these options. Pick from one of these, whatever fits the situation, and catch them off guard with it. What I'd love to see, like, I, obviously it probably wouldn't be the most efficient method, but what I'd love to see someone do with a cargo ship is it is one big cargo ship, but it's actually a carrier and it just has lots of smaller, like mini cargo ships inside. So the moment they get attacked, just all these small ships just break off. So even if the pirates chase after them, they'll get maybe one or two ships and the rest can escape. It's like kicking Yeah, a basically, you, you attack it, <laughs> they all leave, and then they just can't reach it. That's, I mean, that's a pretty good idea. It might be a little bit inefficient as far as, like, weight-to-thrust ratio. Um, that would be my main concern with that as far as, like, 
how efficiently are you transporting the cargo. But if it's a small scale cargo transport, um, small being relative term, uh, but if it's small amount of cargo relative to the amount of protection it needs, then uh, I would say that would be a good way to handle that. Um, I did have a question for Blue, though. So you said that you're a very well-rounded uh, company, just like uh, Skyjack is. So what do you think the relevance of all these mercenary groups that are coming up, combat-only factions, combat-only companies, that their sole purpose is to provide protection or attack targets? I think they are actually very handy when it comes down to the latter because uh, we don't think about it a lot, but sometimes we don't have the necessary players on. I don't want to say players on, but we don't have the necessary people on at the time to uh, combat certain situations. So say you're getting attacked and you need someone on at that very moment and no one's available. Well, you could contact your nearest mercenary group and offer them offer them a small amount of payment uh depending on you know what kind of what kind of attack you're going through and be like hey we need your help could you come over please we'll give sort of like an emergency reserve absolutely uh we'll give you we'll give you a cookie and this flower pot and for your service see when you say when you say (laughs) small payment I don't, I think bounty, I think not bounty hunting, sorry, mercenary groups will aim to try to get as big as possible because if you're under attack, you know, the options are, yeah, they either pay you or, or, you know, or sorry, you either pay them or you die. And so if I were a mercenary group and I'd been contacted by a faction and they were going, we're being attacked, you've got no one online, please come help us, you'd use it to try to get the highest amount you could possibly get out of them. See, this really comes back to the economy. Though. So the thing about the the uh, combat in this game is it's expensive, like stupidly expensive. Everything in combat has to be paid for down to the bolt. So the even if you have the resources to defend your base or your station or whatever it is, these mercenaries probably one are better at it than you, have better ships than you, and it's going to be less expensive to pay them than it would be to repair the damage to your own ships. Not to mention small being relative to, well, like y'all mentioned, what the economy is going to be like. You know how well skilled those mercenaries are. It just it, there's a lot of there's a lot of small nitpicks here and there that you know are variables that need to be taken into the equation. Uh, who's the highest? Who's the highest rated mercenary group? Who's the uh, most inexpensive mercenary group? Who's available at this time? Who's closest? Yada yada yada. So on and so forth. I think, yeah, we'll have to wait and see, you know, how the economy grows because all these points discussed do pivot around the current state of the economy. And yeah, as you said, and as Wall said, small and large and stuff currently is just kind of a placeholder. There's no way you can really define small or large without being able to actually see the economy in action. Right, and seeing all the different prices of everything, knowing how many in-game hours it takes to get a certain amount of resources, that's really what it comes down to, is how long does it take you to get X amount of resources, which sell for a certain amount of money based on how long it takes. But um, what this, what really interests me is the weapons trading game, right? You manufacture like missiles, torpedoes, and then you sell them bulk sale to these mercenary groups. That could get you in good favor with them, but... What's, what's really going to be interesting is seeing how 
these mercenary groups respond to you selling to other mercenary groups and transporting these large-scale weapon shipments. How is that going to blow over with the whole mercenary economy in, in their community? Well, I feel like mercenaries... I mean, yeah, well, some groups may take offense to, you know, oh, my supplier is currently, you know, suddenly supplying a different mercenary group with missiles or torpedoes. I feel like most mercenary groups won't really take offense because, after all, you know, they are a mercenary group and unless they deliberately wager a, a contract of, uh, you know, exclusivity, if they're just buying off, a, you know, from a storefront and bulk ordering, or if there is a contract for bulk orders but there's nothing about, you know, it being limited to just them, then I don't think they will, and I don't think they really can take offense because they're not really doing anything that allows them to claim they have exclusivity to it. I'm not concerned about them having offense. I'm more concerned about it driving a mercenary group into a pirate group. That's really what that will turn into, is they see this large-scale shipment that's going to their competitor, they're going to steal those weapons. They're going to try to steal those weapons if they don't have business with that manufacturer already. But aren't mercenaries kind of basically pirates? Like, well, sure, well, 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 they do work, you know, for other people, I feel like there is a very thin line between Europe, you know, for hire purse, you know, for hire gun or a mercenary, however you want to put it, or, you know, a pirate, because, you know, one second you're being paid to help defend some, you know, well-meaning group, the next minute you're being paid to help steal, you know, a shipment of materials. And so I think there's a very thin line and it'll be, you know, some groups may have a moral code and choose not to work for, you know, oh yeah, you know, stealing and robbing and all that, while other groups may, you know, be willing to work like that. Well, see, that's the difference between pirating and mercenary. Pirates, they don't work for people. They don't, they aren't under contract to attack a certain thing, except in special cases, but their goal is to take whatever they're attacking. They are looting. They're pillaging. Whereas mercenaries... Whatever they're taking isn't for them. It's for their hiring company. So they're acting on the behalf of another company. You can have a pirating company hire a mercenary group to help them in combat, but the mercenaries don't actually get whatever they loot. That and I feel like mercenaries would kind of tread closer to the line of bounty hunters because in in the be- uh, close to the beginning or uh, just all throughout all throughout of uh, Starbase's life that it will it will be. Um, I do, I do feel like that mercenaries are going to be uh, almost used as the primary way of combating pirates. Like, I feel like instead of wasting your own resources, you'd rather waste someone who's probably more skilled than you or have had have had more experience than you have in combating these kinds of situations. So you probably hire them on to protect your cargo, uh, your shipments, your facilities, whatnot that you need protected. Now that interests me. You said something that that. I want to really dive into is bounty hunting. How do you think that will evolve and build within Starbase? As Starbase grows, I honestly feel like bounty hunting is going to be used as an assassination network, an info grabbing network, cargo grabbing network, but for small claims. Uh, for assassinations worth, it'll probably be used on pirates or very uh high-ranking officials or uh specific people who are missing out on their uh rent that kind of thing when you say assassinations uh, will assassinations even be viable in the game because they have said you die and you just you know obviously you know you just respawn somewhere and 
you don't really lose that much. Your infrastructure is still there. Your, you know, your storage and everything is still there. So will assassinations really be a, a key thing? I think it will because they even said that the, your replacement bodies, they cost money. They're expensive. You can't just like, oh, I died. Let's go get another body for free. It's It's pricey. Not to mention the ship that you lose that can stack up, especially if it's a long-running contract. If every time that group sees you, they're supposed to kill you on site, that can make it really difficult to get anything done within the game and really hinder your company's But with progress. the bodies costing something, this also brings the balancing issue of what happens if you die and you can't afford a replacement body? Does the game just then become unplayable? Is there something you can do to get any body, or is it literally just tough you're out of money? Uh, probably go into debt, I would assume go into debt have to work a little bit it might be your... it might be that you respawning doesn't cost anything or maybe cost a small amount but i think maybe buying extra bodies to like respawn not respawn but uh transmit your consciousness you know how they said you could have bodies in different locations and jump into them and leave your other body behind mm. something along that i think those might be a little bit more expensive but um we'll have to see more about that in how are we uh, going to identify uh, robots if they're, let's say, in their f uh, flying or just walking by? How do we know which robot is who? Ooh, that that is another great point, especially with like the whole boarding conversation. Is if you get onto a station or you get onto a ship, unless they have like a color scheme that you don't know about or they have like specific uniforms, there's no way that they can really tell that we know of. There's no nameplate above. Um, so I think utilizing that to your advantage as well as providing your ships a way to identify each other like maybe like small coloration differences assuming they give us good uh ways to color your ships that are easy to use i mean you could even i mean sure you could program it relatively easy with yolo someone probably will try to use either like morse code or some form of flashing light code to transmit data across between ships without kind of being either detected or, you know, there's a certain response they can press for, you know, if a ship they believe to be on their side, if they press it and oh, it flashes, yeah. if they respond to a certain flash, then it's on their side. If it doesn't, then, you know, they open fire. Yeah, that's just a friend or foe system. That's uh, very commonly talked about. Uh, it's actually used in modern military. That's how they identify friendly uh, aircraft so they know not to shoot them. So what you could also do with your ships is have a um, transmitter on it that just transmits um, your company with ship ID and you can also disable it when needed. That way it will be easy to identify for your workforce what what ship it is well so that that does work but then you run into the issue is ships can record that data they can aim a receiver at it and save that and then retransmit it as if they are that ship so having it going 24 7 is more likely to cause a security breach than it is to actually prevent the destruction of a vehicle that's why I said have an on-off on switch on it, or just a button where you press it, it just transmits. This is where we get into the whole topic of espionage, too. Um, yeah. Having, even outside of render range, if you know the general vicinity of a station, of your competitor, of an enemy that you're at war with, 
if you just change that <laughs> I'm just gonna go go to if you um three two if you just aim a receiver at that general location, you can record every single transmission. You can record every ship that goes in and out that has a transponder, so to speak. And utilizing that, you can eventually figure out, oh, this is the code I have to turn on uh, for this amount of time to open up their gate to get inside. So having these sort of automated systems, you need security features beyond the obvious, beyond just you transmit a signal and it disables all the security. You never really want to disable something fully. You could also just transmit a lot of garbage data on, a, on the same <laughs> False channel. information. Yeah. Well, that's, that also brings to the point of communication jamming, because obviously there's, you know, radio communication in-game. And I feel like while there is Discord, a lot of factions or individual players will use a radio communication. Especially if you're not part of an organized faction, you're going to just be using the in-game communication. And I think as far as this, I'm aware, there is no specific radio, you know, blocking, you know, item you can make. But the devs did say that if you go on to channel zero, yes, as in the actual, you know, uh, channel number, uh, it broadcasts across all channels. So will people end up just going on to the, you know, channel zero and just broadcasting extremely loud noises so that you just can't hear any other channels over the universal broadcast? Absolutely. Um, I think one thing that'll come into that and that we'll have to do a lot of testing on is what is the precedence with receivers? Is it the strength of the signal? So it takes the strongest signal it finds within its cone. Is it random? Um, we don't really know. Or all? Or all? I don't think it'll take all, though, because it, it takes it, it receives it in a buffer. And if you have all of them being received, then that buffer would overflow. Um, because it's it's limited. I imagine that receivers will act in a way that they'll probably receive the strongest and closest signal they can find. So, like the closer you get to to the uh, the strongest receiver you have you have nearby, then the stronger the signal will get. And so you can kind of use that to find your way around if you can't see something. Absolutely, that, that's the way I imagine it'll work. So yeah, that is definitely a, a good point, is being able to follow these signals to their origin. Um, and I think that's really going to come down to how advanced is your YOLO code? How well can you control these, maybe even multiple arrays of these receivers? Because if you need to find a specific position of a target, you need multiple angles to really know exactly where they are, um, since it is a field of view that it's based off. So doing something like that, to get to the target is going to require a lot of research, a lot of testing. Um, and it, when it comes down to signal jamming, if you are that fine-tuned with your communications relay, so like you can precisely narrow down that angle, it's going to be almost impossible to station something uh, in the way. You would have to know the exact trajectory from their uh, receivers to actually intercept, so to speak. The opposite of intercepting, I guess that would be. Um, so to have a satellite there and have it be defended and them not find it would be extremely difficult. And that takes us into the concept of satellites. So in order to have something that is 
not perfectly stationary, but stationary enough that it stays in that thin field of view, you're going to have to have a structure or a ship that acts as a satellite without having a player nearby. And as, as far as we know, you can't really do that without a player, so it would have to be within a certain range of structure so that even further limits those capabilities. Um, what are your thoughts on the potential for uh, unmanned vessels satellites ships whatever so drones Dr uh, it could be drones could be something stationary like mines uh if you have like proximity based explosives i think mines would be very useful uh creation if someone is able to make them uh more like seeker mines so when a ship kind of enters the minefield the mines then lock onto the ship and begin to just travel in a straight line towards the ship and on impact detonate um I think that would be a very useful weapon because as it's 3D space, um, especially as uh, I think it was Blue mentioned, you'd be, you know, sometimes you wouldn't have all the people online necessary to defend your station, you know. Uh, you know, obviously it'd probably be a station because it'd be deployed around as a ship is mobile. Uh, Almost like a Yeah, cloud. it means any ship coming in, even if it, you know, even if barely anyone's online, they'll have to get through the minefield first. And it will either greatly slow them down as they have to shoot out all the mines in their vicinity, or they'll just kind of get ripped apart, ripped, uh, you know, shreds by it. That then does, of course, bring up the issue of how do you get your friendly ships through? And you could suggest using a certain signal that disarms the mines, but then there's also the argument of the signal could just be hijacked by a pirate. How about uh, doing it in a way that you can only use the signal once an hour? What happens if you need two ships? Exactly. That's not a problem. Every solution also has a negative side. I think this really comes down to is maybe you have like a region in the minefield that has duds. Like you know that those in this specific spot they don't seek you. Um, it could be something like that. It could be um, maybe you have like a, just a region that doesn't have mines that maybe only requires a small amount of people to defend. So you have turret placements and so on. Um, I think honestly, that would probably be the best solution to the whole seeking your friends thing. Um, but then you also obviously require at least a couple people to man the guns there, but it's better than having to defend it from 360 degrees the whole time. That also with the whole, you know, seeking mines and having to get through, it also brings up the issue with nearly all autonomous defense or attack systems. You know, say someone's able to make a turret but automatically locks on a fires or a drone or something. You need a way to distinguish between, you know, the drone's meant to shoot at this, the drone isn't, and it would be very hard to pull that off successfully. Blue, what are your thoughts on that? My my biggest thoughts on the subject of unmanned uh, craft or stations or whatever is you you're right. You need at least one person nearby within range to be able to have them active and working. Otherwise, I uh, there's not really entirely a good use for them besides from maybe uh, small mining drones or uh, perhaps you know uh, little. Uh, scav scavenging thing, you know, with tractor beams, you drive it over to a wreck, pick up the wreck, and then just fly it back to the mothership. I don't know. I have a case to make for combat drones. If you can get your tracking down, if you can actively track a target in real time, and obviously this is very difficult and fully relies on 
how accurately you can time your YOLO chips, but if you can get that tracking down using rangefinders, using whatever you have available, um, you could theoretically have drones that follow a target. Um, so there could be a place for them in combat. Whether or not that's the primary uh, firepower, I doubt it. Um, it's just not reliable enough, I think, to be your primary, and also, especially against small craft. But against larger vessels, you could probably make a case for using drones to limit uh, the amount of manpower you need for a good assault. use of a, of a simple system. Or you know, obviously, we still very to actually program simple in the terms of it doesn't have to you know shoot at them, you know, fly around them. Would be obviously have to retake place in the late game. But if you had kind of like a hive ship with a lot of resources and maybe like a mini factory on board, and it just pumps out these drones purely designed to just kind of kamikaze ram into the you know target ship so you somehow paint the ship you know as in how they paint it you know paint in real life with like a laser um the, the drones get deployed they lock onto the ship and just fly towards it and just ram into it that just sounds resource inefficient though it's going to be much cheaper to, to make the bullets it takes to do the same amount of damage but, on the, but i'm saying so you might as well just fuel but i'm turret. saying if you were to use drones this is a this is a use case of drones. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I personally believe drones won't be really effective that much at all due to the amount of YOLO you have to have and then compact it inside it, and it has to be so efficient and well made. But I don't think drones will really be a worthwhile investment. I mean, yeah, sure, someone will make some. They may be good, but economically, they won't really be that viable. I'm just saying, if you were to use drones, if that was your what you wish to do. Kamikaze drones could be one usage of. So one of the major issues I think that drones are going to have is avoiding the terrain, uh, whether it be on the moon, whether it be in the asteroid belt, especially in the asteroid belt. If you have like a mining drone and it goes in, it's it's not going to be able to observe its 3D space very effectively, no matter how many rangefinders. There will always be a blind spot. So I think that'll be ultimately be the largest challenge of drones is avoiding asteroids especially if you're using combat drones well one way i can think of to help avoid this problem is just have uh if possible have the drones stick near or stay close to the mother the mothership if they're just like defense drones uh give them give them big turrets with range finders and just have them kind of rotate around the main manned ship and I think just pilot the ship accordingly. They should be fine. That's my idea, anyhow. So you think that's the solution to drones avoiding uh, asteroids, per se? That may be the biggest biggest way to help them avoid the asteroids. Because I mean, uh, if you can drive if you can drive uh, effectively through an asteroid field, then the drones would also be able to follow you and avoid the same asteroids without much problem. That's fair. Um, I think this this really it comes down to, is the technology worth the time? And for that, you'd have to really understand what is the benefit of having drones in an asteroid field. So if they're combat drones... Uh, so the thing about the drones, though, is the technology you use, you use to avoid structures in any drone can be applied to every other drone that you produce. If you have a mining drone and you develop a way for it to avoid crashing into the things that's mining then it simply has to be applied 
similarly or almost exactly the same to a military drone. And not only that, but the instruments that the military drone uses to uh, to avoid its targets and or avoid these asteroids, it can use to track and avoid crashing into targets. So this is where you start getting into, yes, it will be worth it, but will it be 100% effective all the time? And is fighting in that asteroid belt, god damn it, three, two, and is fighting in the asteroid belt really where you want to be taking your fleet? Is it beneficial to you, or would you be better off in open space where both teams can fight freely? Well, now it just kind of depends on the situation at hand. Are you, uh, do you have the choice of making it to the asteroids or getting out of said asteroids, or are you just kind of stuck wedged into that environment and forced to use it to your advantage? I think this really starts leaning towards short versus long range combats because the asteroid belts, they provide an immense amount of cover. So if you have weaponry, say, that uh, lends itself to being used within, say, 500 meters, 200 meters, you're going to want to stick to the asteroid belt. You're going to want to lure people in. That way you can peek around corners uh, and really catch them off guard, And especially if you're like a faster and more nimble ship. And I think it also gives an opportunity for uh, for uh, shipless, shipless combat, you know, uh, pseudo ground operations, men hiding in the asteroids without a ship nearby, besides maybe the uh, the 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 carrier that they use to get there, say, like maybe a small Corvette or frigate that transported them them there and then flew away. Almost guerrilla warfare style. Um if they they say okay i'll stay behind they dig themselves into a asteroid and then fires a rocket at the back of the ship as it flies past them that's a good way to get someone off your tail absolutely and that's one of the that's one of the most dangerous things i'm worried about in starbase with uh my my shipments and whatnot being attacked by is through asteroid belts that is actually very liable to happen you don't expect it you don't think about it until it's already happened and by then it's already too late they've won they've got the they've got the cargo and they're off you know it's kind of like a an uh, an ambush sort of asteroids are a good good way to set up an ambush but they're also a good way to avoid conflict and then that brings up the point again of would you just do a route around an asteroid ring so you know as kai said if you know there's going to be a pirate attack or you know there's a higher risk of a pirate attack would you just deliberately plan a route to just avoid that area I don't know. For me, I would say fly asteroid adjacent. Don't fly in them. Fly next to them. If you're next to the asteroid belt and you get into conflict from someone outside the asteroid belt, you just move into the belt and use it to get them off of you. You travel around and maneuver as much as you can, and they're going to have a harder time keeping track of you. And the same can be said if you were to go straight through the asteroid belt. That leaves you vulnerable to planned ambushes. So being Near it, but not in it, I think would be the best solution. What if you just create a fast chip to outrun the ships? Like a blockade runner. I mean, there there will always be someone faster. True. You never know how fast the other ships are going to be, um, especially with how the drag works in the game. I think it's really going to be difficult to hit max speed. And even if you do hit max speed, you can still be caught off guard. Bullets are Ab- still faster. Absolutely. And since you're always going to be able to outshoot a ship, 
no matter, especially as they get further away, yeah, your the variation on the shots is going to be sort of like a wider range, but it will require less leading of the shot if they are going straight away from you. So this is where you get into being caught from behind again. If they're stationed at an asteroid belt along the sides, even like on the rim, if you are specifically avoiding it, you could still get shot in the back. So if they were to do that and you were transporting car- cargo, what would you do to deter people from taking your company's cargo? Booby trap it. What kind of booby traps? Um, rockets, uh, explosions. I mean, provided the antennas, I can't recall off the top of my head the range drop antennas, and, you know, receivers and transmitting, but you could somehow code in a way that if you knew the cargo was lost, once it was boarded on the ship, you could send out a signal to the cargo that would, you know, detonate the rockets or the explosives on board inside the cargo, which would not only make render the cargo to other, you know, pirates, it could also cripple the pirate ship. Now, following that topic... Um, how do you think we can effectively booby trap something without risking it accidentally detonating on board? I mean, probably the most foolproof way would be it either isn't an armed system until you press a button, and then the only way it detonates is if it receives a certain signal. Oh, I see. So you're saying like something that you would activate, not ne- not necessarily a passive system. I was thinking more along the passive line where, um, say you know that you have an hour-long trip, you set a timer on a missile inside of a missile container to like two and a half hours, and then if they don't disarm it, it just blows the entire no, thing No, like, like, like given in my, uh, like I previously said, you know, the moment you know the cargo's lost, you can just... Hit a button, it broadcasts a select you know amount of cargo, and it all just detonates. And then, if the detonation is powerful enough, it could have crippled the pirate ship. And you, if you know where the cargo is, you could even send out a team to then at least reclaim the crippled pirate ship for resources. Absolutely, um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how different companies react and respond to these pirate groups. Um, and I think it'll really depend on what that company specializes in. We have research companies, we have um, mercenary groups, and just how they respond to that is really dependent on what they're good at. Um, and seeing as we're out of time today, that'll be what we talk about next week. Um, and I'm not really sure who our guest is going to be, but I'm really hoping it's from a multifaceted company like Blue here is. Um, to really give us insight into the different branches and the different things that they sort of like have their hand in so we can get a better insight into what they do day to day. All right. Well, if any of you want to give out your contact information, just say your name, say where to find you. Uh, I'm Blue Cinder. You can find me on Discord at Blue Cinder hashtag 3014. You know, just if you have an opinion or just want to ask a question, feel free. Oh, well, I'm Kai, and you can find me on Discord on Kai Ten Ten One Hundred on the Sky Eject Discord or on the Starbase Vacuum Finder Discord. You can also find the Channel Zero Discord on the Starbase Vacuum Finder Discord if you're interesting to join our Discord. 
I'm Where That Wallet. You can find me at Where That Wallet, hashtag 8115. Also, Where That Wallet on Twitter, or you can email me any questions, concerns, anything you want me to talk about on the next episode at Where That Wallet at skyjack.xyz. I'm Splashcat. You can find me on my Twitter handle at Splashcat underscore YT, my Discord, which is Splashcat hashtag 8141, my email, which is Splashcat at skyjack.xyz. And if you want to contact the channel as a whole, you can either join my Discord, as Kai said, or you can tweet or DM on Twitter at Channel Zero Podcast. Uh, just to be clear, that is a zeros in the number and not as in the letters. And so, as usual, I've been Splashcat, and you've been listening to Channel Zero.